Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. A new federal rule now requires more than 32 million small businesses nationwide to file ownership information to a little-known agency in the U.S. Treasury Department or face potential penalties. The problem, many of these businesses don't know about it. It's called the Corporate Transparency Act, and the new law became effective January 1. My guest Dan Pilla has a strong opinion about the CTA, and rightly so. For over four decades, Dan has been the nation's leader in taxpayers' rights defense and IRS abuse prevention and cure. Regarded as one of the country's premier experts in IRS procedures, he's not only helped thousands of citizens solve personal and business tax problems, but also founded a National Society of Tax Professionals, teaching them how to be successful in tax problem resolution. Dan is an enrolled agent and licensed to practice both before the IRS and in U.S. tax court. His website is taxhelponline.com. Welcome, Dan. So good to catch up with you. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sherry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So let's address the fact that FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, has never dealt with small business, and small businesses don't know who FinCEN is. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, unless you're filing uh, reports with the government on foreign bank account ownership, foreign financial accounts, you wouldn't have any action with FinCEN, uh, Sherry. You're exactly right. Uh, this is an obscure agency in the Treasury Department. Uh, their job is to investigate, just like the name sounds, to investigate financial crimes. As I said, they've been front and center with respect to the requirement to report the ownership of foreign financial accounts. But now they're looking at every single, not just corporation, Sherry, but every single entity in the United States that's created by the filing of a document with a, uh, with a secretary of state. And so every single business in America, we're talking about LLCs, corporations, uh, not necessarily partnerships, but uh, limited liability partnerships for sure, uh, any, a business trust, any entity created by the filing of a document with the Secretary of State is required to file a report now with FinCEN. Yeah, and I've been on this because, you know, I knew about this a couple years ago, been tracking it, tracking it, and it was kind of funly, funny because um, – I think it was in mid-December, I wrote to the Wall Street Journal, I said, I absolutely find it amazing you haven't done one mention on the Corporate Transparency Act, which affects how many millions of businesses, and you're a business publication. Literally the next day, they wrote an editorial about it, and then I just saw another article in it too, which is really about the fact that uh, they're not getting the message out. And let's talk a little bit. So Corporate Transparency Act, Dan, you did a really awesome special report on it. But for those that don't know what it is, give us the, you know, highlights of, of what this is about. Yeah, what's, what's happening here is the government somehow thinks 
that uh, small businesses are in, uh, involved in international crime, money laundering, uh, drug dealing, all these various nefarious acts, and they think that they will be better able to enforce the law if they know all of the information about corporate ownership and corporate uh, corporate control. And so that's what the, the in, in, it, to just to simplify it to its to its lowest common denominator, the Corporate Transparency Act requires every corporation to file a report that discloses who controls that corporation and who the beneficial owners of the corporation are. And under the law, a beneficial owner is anybody that's got 25% or more of ownership interest in the corporation. Their name, address, and contact information has to be disclosed. Well, also, you have to upload either a copy of your driver's license or a passport. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. When you're when you're providing the information to FenCEN on their way, now, this is an electronic submission, right? So there's no way to paper, paper file this form. You have to go on FenCEN's website. You got you to gotta get to, this, to the CTA page, and then there's a series of instructions that you follow and steps that you follow to fill out the form and upload the form, and it does require the setting up of an account with either a driver's license or a passport to do that. You're right. Yeah, and so when we talk about corporations, I mean, this is every mom-and-pop uh, business in the nation, pretty much. Well, 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 pretty much, except there's an important exception. And the exception is if there was no document that you filed with the Secretary of State at the local level to create your entity, there's no obligation to file. So an example of that is a sole proprietorship or a partnership. All right, people can create a partnership with a handshake agreement or a simple partnership uh, agreement that they write out and they keep in their respective uh, desk drawers. That doesn't have to be filed with the Secretary of State. Uh, Secretary of State. Same is true, Sherry, with respect to a sole proprietorship. An individual can go into business and 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 call himself, you know, Joe's Grocery Store, for example, or 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 you know, whatever. Pick a name, and 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 the simple fact that you've gone into business as a sole proprietorship does not create the requirement to file a CTA report. The key is, was your entity created by the filing of a document with the Secretary of State? That's what triggers the filing responsibility with FENCEN. Right. There are exemptions, of course, nonprofits. What I found really interesting is one of the exemptions is large operating companies. So when we talk about money laundering and people that could get away with anything, the fact that um, large corporations, what is that dollar amount if you make $5 million or more a year? Right. Um, I mean, that was weird to me. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's, there's a list of 23 exemptions, Sherry, which is an awful lot of exemptions if you ask me. And so, uh, and so you wonder, well, what, well, if they're really interested in stopping, uh, stopping money laundering, why do we have so many exemptions? Well, the theory is that as best I can figure out, as I look through the list and studied the list, is that all of these corporations, all of these entities that are exempt, are filing annual reports that otherwise disclose 
the owners and the uh, and, and the and the responsible parties within the corporation or within the entity. For example, exempt organizations. Uh, exempt organizations have to file a form every year that discloses who their uh, sh- well they don't have shareholders, but who their uh, board of directors are and and who is controlling their corporation. Uh, you'll also see on the list that stockbrokers and 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 securities dealers and all these all these financial professionals are exempt. Well, they're filing reports every every single year with uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission that are listing their owners and their and and the officers and employees that control the corporation. So I think that's what's going on with their exemption list. Right. Realistically, because I'm fielding a lot of emails and phone calls right now because we've been talking about the Corporate Transparency Act for quite some time, letting people know, all our clients, that this is coming down the pipe. Let's talk about what happens if you don't file. So quickly, if you were formed before January 1st, you have one year to file. Any filing after January 1, you have 90 days. Most people don't know this exists. So what? let's talk about the penalties and what happens if you say, I'm not going to do it. Well, there, there's a third level of requirement, just yeah. so we're clear. If you're formed after January 1st, 2025, on or after January 1st, 2025, you've got 30 days to file the report. So it's either one year, 90 days, or 30 days, depending on when you were formed. And the civil penalty, Sherry, for failure to file this form is $500 a day for every day that you're late. And the criminal penalty, if the IRS can prove that you are not the IRS, if the federal government can prove that you deliberately, intentionally failed to file the report, then it's a uh, criminal penalty of up to two years in prison uh, and a $10,000 fine. So it's pretty serious. Uh, They are very serious about enforcing this law. For anyone that needs more information and wants to understand this beneficial ownership information report that you must file, I would highly encourage you to go out to FinCEN, that's F-I-N-C-E-N dot gov, and you can learn all about it. I've done other radio shows. Dan, of course, you're you're an expert. You help so many people uh, dealing with taxes and information <laughs> regarding the IRS and stuff. So, um, you know, you and I are on our soapbox to let people know this is happening. Well, we're doing the best we can, Sherry, for sure. Now, the uh, Minnesota Secretary of State supposedly sent out a notification to all Minnesota registered corporations, businesses, and so on. But I'll tell you, I've got two Minnesota corporations, and I didn't get a single email. So I don't know how effective that's going to be, and I don't know what other, what other states are doing, Sherry. But you're right. Most people I've talked to don't know anything about this. Yeah, they just post a notice on the website, like Nevada, oh, you, you have to deal with this, but that's about it. And again, most people are like, I have no idea. I barely know what my articles are, right? So- Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and and now this is just another affirmative duty that the federal government has heaped on the backs of small businesses in addition to the hundreds of affirmative duties that the IRS piles on people. I'm telling you, Sherry, these responsibilities are burying small businesses. And they are, and you have to wonder what's the bigger result. They say it's a uh, protected site, right? But now we're loading up a whole bunch of more information. And honestly, a lot of that information is already on the tax return. 
So well, that's what that's what I find astonishing. Yeah. I mean, the, the the fact of the matter is, you can find all the ownership information you need off a federal income tax return uh, because of the K one. So it's just it's 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 really remarkable that they're doing this. Exactly. We have to go to break. When I come back, I'm going to pick up with Dan Pilla. Also, if you want to check out, uh, Dan has written many books. Go to his website, taxhelponline.com. And his, uh, one of his books I really love, it's on my bookshelf, How to Win Your Tax Audit. We'll be right back. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over two decades, we have taught thousands of business owners, real estate investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate, and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 775-786-5515 to set up a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry Hill if you want to experience peace of mind today. That's 775-786-5515. Call Sage International. Save the date, Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Enjoy world-renowned speakers, educational presentations, hands-on workshops, honey tasting, and bee photo contests, plus so much more. Learn from new and seasoned beekeepers. Inform, educate, and inspire. Register at NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, Yearington, Nevada. The hub of Lyon County. Natakwa News. Pick up your copy today. Natakwa. Welcome back and thank you for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show. So excited I have Dan Pilla here who is with TaxHelpOnline.com. I've known Dan for many years. Anyone that reaches out to me and says, I'm having an issue with the IRS, I owe taxes, I send them to Dan. He gets results. It's amazing. So, Dan, I want to talk this time because there's a lot of uh, concern, questions, and things over the employee retention credit, the ERC, which most people probably don't even know what it is. And so why don't you explain what's happening with the IRS, ERC, and how does that affect me as a business owner? Sure. Yeah, Sherry, the employee retention credit was one of the uh, many, many federal giveaway programs that was added to the law in March of 2020 with the CARES Act, the Coronavirus uh, Response Act that Congress passed. It was uh, mid, mid-March of 2020, and, and that is the law that started about $9 trillion worth of federal giveaways to individuals and businesses of, of every description. And one of those giveaways was the employee retention credit. And this is a credit for businesses that have workers on their payroll, all right? And the idea was that the federal government was going to give these businesses a credit. In other words, give them money back. It's a refundable credit. It's like the uh, it's like the earned income tax credit. Under the earned income tax credit, people who claim the credit get more money back from the government that they paid in in the first place. That's called a refundable credit. 
the employee retention credit is the same way. It's money back from the federal government based on your payroll tax returns as a business. That's IRS Form 941, your payroll tax returns. And the idea is the government was going to pay businesses to keep workers on the payroll even during the shutdown periods, all right? So that's when it's, that's where it started. And so what happened, Sherry, is almost overnight, well, within a couple of, 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 uh, of weeks or months anyway, there was an explosion of marketing companies around the country that were hustling businesses to claim this employee retention credit, and these marketing companies were going to get a piece of the action, right? They would do the paperwork and the calculations necessary to figure out whether a particular business complied or qualified for the credit. They'd submit it, and they'd take 25 30 35% of the refund. Well, some of these businesses are getting six-figure refunds, Sherry. Wow. And I've seen clients that have gotten seven-figure refunds because of this employee retention credit. The problem is it's massively complex. The law was created in March of 2020, as I said. It went through three different amendments and then finally was repealed at the end of 2021 with the Infrastructure Act. It was repealed and repealed retroactively, oh, <laughs> except, except for a certain exception. And so it's, it's gone through all these twists and all these turns. And I've met very, very few people that understand this credit or how it works. Well, the bottom line is that the IRS in September, actually in the, in the summer of 2023, I think it was August of 2023, they started to panic over these ERC claims, and they issued a directive that said, we're going to start looking at these things very, very carefully, and we're going to slow down our processing of these things so we can put some guardrails in place on, uh, you know, to, 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 to protect against bogus claims. Well, then in September of 2023, they stopped processing claims, and they stopped through, uh, at, well, they haven't started them back up again that I know of, and then in December of 2023, they instituted two forgiveness programs. One program allowed businesses to withdraw their ERC claims if they are confident, if the business was not confident that it was a correct claim, they could withdraw it. And as long as they didn't get paid money, the IRS would say, you know, no harm, no foul, you can withdraw it. And then they instituted a, 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 a sort of amnesty program that allows a business that did make an improper claim and did get money back, they could pay 80% of the claim back to the IRS. The IRS would waive 20% of the claim and or the refund, and then you know it's uh, everybody goes on their way. So if you're a business that's got a hundred thousand dollar refund, for example, you'd pay back eighty thousand. You wouldn't have to pay back the other twenty, and the IRS would call it even. And so these programs are operating right now. And so businesses that claim the employee retention credit need to take a look at what they did to to determine, you know, through a fresh set of eyes, perhaps whether that claim was legitimate and if there's going to be an issue with respect to it. The other thing is the IRS has really started a significant enforcement program in terms of auditing ERC claims, and they set up a, sec a whole section in the Justice Department for prosecuting deliberately bogus uh, ERC claims that are now again the word deliberate is in there I'm not talking about businesses that got misled or misunderstood or never did know what the rules were and they were just going by what uh, some marketing company said those businesses are not going to be in trouble uh, certainly not criminally anyway uh, but for, for for the for the marketing companies out there that are deliberately enticing businesses to make these false claims um, they're going to be in trouble, Sherry. It's, it's, it's a pretty significant enforcement project they got moving here. Yeah, so this is different from the 
uh, PPP loan, which a lot of us um, took advantage of, and that worked out. So this is something completely different. I'd never even really heard of this um, until obviously getting marketed and people claiming that I should file claims and all of that. And I just ignored it all because I kept thinking it was part of the PPP loan process. They're different. Yeah, that's, yeah you make a good point. And there, there was a lot of confusion out there. And just for clarity's sake, uh, the PPP was the Paycheck Protection Program Loan System. And that was a loan through the SBA, the Small Business Administration, to small businesses and and uh, and and that was really a very very broad based loan program, uh, but the proceeds of the loan had to be used in certain ways. You had to use sixty percent of the revenue for payroll, specifically for payroll. The remaining forty percent could be split up in in about five or six other areas, but they were designated areas: utilities for your business and um, uh, mortgage payments for your business, but not interest, and and you know certain other things, employee benefits, health care, that sort of thing. It was very very clearly designated what the money had to be used for, and if you used the money for that purpose, and in other words, you did what the law said as far as use of the money. Then your loan was forgiven, Sherry. You didn't have to pay the loan back. Not only was the loan forgiven, but the loan forgiveness was not counted as taxable income. And on top of that, (laughs) you got to claim a deduction for the expenses that you paid with the loan proceeds you'd never had to pay back. So it was a remarkable giveaway to small businesses, and that was worth about a trillion or a trillion and a half dollars as well. But that is completely different than the ERC. The ERC is on top of that. So businesses could have gotten a paycheck protection loan, and they could have gotten an ERC uh, credit as well. The loss, and here's an area where people are getting trapped, all right? They're getting tripped up because of these marketing people. The law was perfectly clear that you could not use ERC, uh, you could not calculate your ERC benefits based on PPP loan proceeds that you paid to employees. So in other words, you couldn't double dip in that respect. But how many marketing companies knew that? That's a very subtle nuance that was in the law that a lot of these people don't pick up on because most of these people don't read the law, Sherry. They just right. read a news report and off they go. Right. And so uh, there, you know, there may be cons- there there may be concerns. Well, there are concerns uh, among among uh, uh, coming out of the IRS that that built businesses may have double dipped on these uh, on these PPP loans compared to ERC credits. So it's probably going to be a year or two before some of these people, you know, these businesses um, are going to get some kind of a nasty gram or a notification from the IRS. And I imagine it's, you know, you're going to have to pay the money back, probably penalties, because you, you missed the amnesty. You missed those programs. And so we're, it'll be interesting to see your thoughts. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you said a year or two. Well, maybe farther than that out. Mm-hmm. And, and normally you'd say, well, gee, what about the statute of limitations? Well, one of the things Congress did, Sherry, is they extended the statute of limitations on the IRS's ability to audit and assess with respect to these uh uh, with respect to these these programs, particularly the ERC, so it's it's a serious problem, and and uh, it's going to be a problem for an awful long time. Um, it, it, there's there's mil- there, there's roughly you probably know these numbers better than I do, but uh, according according to according to what I see from the IRS, there's roughly. 28 to 30 million what we would call small businesses out there, LLCs, uh, subchapter S corporations, small partnerships, and and uh, and uh, sole proprietorships, and 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 
and there's roughly a million or so that are created every year, new ones. Of course, a lot of them fold up and, and cease operations, as you know. So, so there's a huge population of business owners out there that have taken advantage at one level or another of of these various uh, of, of these various uh, CARES Act era giveaway programs that are that are now going to be haunting them, could be haunting them for years to come. Yeah. Well, the good news, Dan, if it happens, they can call you, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we help a lot of people with these problems, Sherry, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, I'm so sorry our time is up, but I want folks to know Dan Pilla, he, uh, I mean, there is, what? what is your statement? There is no... There is no such thing as a hopeless tax case, Sherry. I don't care what kind of a problem you have, how long you've had it, what you've tried to do to fix your problem. I don't care who's told you you can't fix the problem. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Awesome. So your phone number is 800-346-6829, or go to the website taxhelponline.com. I highly recommend you talk with Dan and his team. I saw your daughter has joined your organization. Yes, she has. She's been with me for about 10 years, Sherry, but now she is an enrolled agent with the Internal Revenue Service, so she is licensed to represent people in front of the IRS. Uh, and and so she is. Uh, she does all our tax return preparation in our office, which is mostly remedial. We don't do a, a tremendous amount of tax preparation as an annual business, but we do a lot of remedial stuff for clients that come in with those problems. And she does litigation support with me. Awesome. Well, how fun! I I started this business with my dad, and we had a lot of good times. So yeah, we've we've had uh, we've had a lot of family members work here over the years. Of course, my wife runs the business, Sherry. So we're all working for her. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you, Dan. We'll catch up again as we see some of this come down the pipe. I'm going to want your opinion. So I want to thank sure. everyone. Yeah, for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show. We're business, but today the IRS and what's going on over there has been amplified. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show. This is Peter from Nevada Real Estate Radio. I talk about the subjects that help you as a home buyer, seller, or investor. We focus on the positive aspects of today's real estate opportunities. The Nevada Real Estate Radio, Thursdays, 3 p.m. on 93.7 FM. Nevada Real Estate Radio.